What's up, everyone? Thanks for that great holiday mix, DJ Sofa. I think you had everybody vibing and in the mood. Um, welcome to our last Tuesday talks of the year. Um, really excited for the conversation. We have a few of our favorite and most popular speakers back uh, to join us in a year and wrap up. Um, but before we get started, um, I want to hit on uh, a bit of a serious note. Um, many of you are probably aware of the tornadoes that swept across many parts of the U.S. over the weekend um, with a tremendous amount of devastation concentrated in Western Kentucky. Um, we have mobilized through a program that we stood up in 2020 called Care Package Relief uh, to support our neighbors and community members uh, who have been hit quite hard, many of whom have, have lost everything. Um, so I'll ask Ladarian to drop a link in the chat here. We can learn more about CARE's response and ways that you might be able to step up uh, and support us. Our primary efforts right now are to push um, cash to folks who are in need, uh, but we're also pushing out critical supplies. So water, food, uh, clothing that will start to roll out to folks this week. Uh, so give a look to that. Um, keep our neighbors and friends uh, in your thoughts and prayers as they are navigating these challenging times. Um, with that in mind, I'll, I'll kick us off um, as we get into our last Tuesday talks for the week, um, where you know we've covered a full range of topics over the year, things that, that sometimes feel very heavy, things feel very fun, and a, the full continuum learning from experts and leaders in different fields. So I'll do our, our spiel one last time for the year, and then we'll get into the conversation. The CARE Atlanta Global Innovation Hub convenes people and organizations dedicated to defeating poverty by achieving social justice and equity everywhere. The Innovation Hub creates the space, programs, and support systems to connect leaders with global practitioners in hopes of solving the world's most pressing problems. Tuesday Talks was created to build bridges by exploring compelling topics. And we hope that each week our participants leave with a deeper understanding of those topics and feel more clear about how they can contribute to solutions in their personal journey. At the Innovation Hub, we believe in the leadership of women. And we especially look to highlight expertise for Black, Indigenous, and communities of color. We're committed to centering and uplifting all justice-centered voices in our conversations and our programming. And so let's just do a quick recap of the past year. So as many of you know, Tuesday Talks went virtual in March of 2020 when the world was first hit by the pandemic and when none of us knew what the future might look like. We quickly moved Tuesday Talks from an in-person gathering at our headquarters to a virtual space that we hope would give people an opportunity to build community in our new normal. Fast forward to 2021 and over the past year, we've had more than 200 speakers, almost 90% of them have been women. And I'm proud to announce that this will be our 81st virtual Tuesday Talks discussion. We've had the privilege to cover many, many topics. We've touched on reconciliation. We've talked about the political climate in the US and in other parts of the world, the role of media and social justice movements. Uh, we discussed ways we might find solutions to pressing issues like food and water access or homelessness and many, many, many more topics. And so as we wrap up, uh, we also want to get feedback from those folks uh, who are in our community. So check out the link that we'll drop for a brief survey. And we'll include that in a follow-up email as well if you, if you miss it today. And we hope to get perspective from you about how we can power through another year of amazing conversations. And so today, as I mentioned, we have an incredible lineup of individuals who've been past speakers on some of our most popular conversations. And we're closing out our year by celebrating them and getting some updates from them about workings that are generally going on on their end. And so instead of doing our normal intros and bios, I'm gonna ask each of our speakers 
to just briefly remind us of who you are and the work that you when we come around to your portion of the conversation. We have eight different speakers today, so keep that in mind. We'll ask you to keep your responses brief, but we certainly want to hear from you in Tuesday Talks fashion. Please keep it casual, conversational. We're excited for everyone to be back. So the first two folks I'll pull into the conversation are Lauren Cotton, who joined us for mental health and wellness, our mental health and wellness conversation, and Dr. Afomanen, who uh, spoke with us about the future of healthcare policy. Welcome back, both of you. Um, it's good to see you on the call with us again today. Um, and so let's just jump right into it. Uh, obviously, the genesis of this whole thing was related to a global public health crisis that we're still navigating now almost two years later. And so I wonder, uh, with each of your perspective working in the health sector, what strong lessons might you share with us that you all have learned throughout the pandemic? And what are some tips uh, that might be ways to keep ourselves healthy, both mentally and physically, as we embark on another year? Let's start with Lauren. And again, remind us of who you are and where you work. Uh, and then we'll hear from Dr. Afamani. Hi everyone, my name is Lauren Carson. I am the executive director and founder at Black Girls Smile Inc. Um, we look to empower the mental health and well-being of young Black women and girls. Um, to your question, what have we learned? What have been some of the biggest lessons um, during this pandemic? I would say first, coping skills. Um, making sure that we have strong and healthy and positive coping skills as individuals but also as communities as well. Um, I think it's really important to highlight in conversations around mental health that it's not just an individual topic, it's a community, it's a family topic that needs to be discussed as well. Um, some of the things that I encourage people to do, and these are things that I try my best to practice what I preach. Um, one of the things that I've been working on recently is having a morning routine. Um, my, my husband recently told me I am so grumpy when I wake up. Um, and I realize it's because I roll out of bed and I just get started and I'm on my phone and, you know, I'm checking text messages and Instagram. And that's just kind of the pattern that I'd gotten into. And I needed to look to implement a more, uh, positive and healthy wellness practice in the morning. So implementing some meditation and yoga, even if it's just 10, 15 minutes, um, getting a glass of water, these very simple activities that can really set the tone for our day. Um, there are a million other things that we can do with our mental health and well-being, but I think that that's one way that we can start our days positively for ourselves, but also for those that we serve as well. Like for me, I have a two-year-old, so I cannot be cranky with a two-year-old. I need to make sure I'm, I'm starting off well um, in the mornings with my mental health and well-being. It looks like there's some support for morning routines and how that can be absolutely life-changing. I, I can uh, attest to that. What about you, Dr. Afumani? What are your thoughts there? Perspectives, lessons learned, um, words of advice or encouragement that you might give us? Hi, good morning. Happy rising, everybody. And thank you again for allowing me to be in this space with you guys. It's so exciting. I'm learning to enjoy the DJ in the morning. Um, I am Dr. Uffelman and I am the um, Chief Medical and Innovation Officer for Shared Harvest by COVID-MD. Um, we at Shared Harvest are very unapologetic about um, transforming communities of color, increasing um, financial investments and changing, transforming student loan debt into an asset class for social change. And we do all that because we need to believe in human capital is gonna be the thing that changes our policy. We have to invest in the humans 
on the front line. And around health policy, what I've learned this past year is absolutely we can and should be doing more, more to support providers and more to support our, our, our uh, participants and guests who are part of the healthcare system. Um, the ACA Affordable Care Act did so much at one point, but we have to be very courageous about realizing that we need a simple system. Um, one of the things that I um, like to use as analogy as we are in the holiday season is I'm big on Christmas lights and I have this very complex convoluted approach to putting my lights together with all the extensions and everything else and so it usually takes me about two days and I don't let anybody be a part of this Christmas light you know bonanza and this year I started seeing strobe lights in front of houses and I was like oh isn't that simple you know, you get one strobe light and the whole house is lit up and it's beautiful. And it, I was just like, well, dang, you know, it really is that simple. And so I have looked at the lens of healthcare, like it really can be that simple. We could have a one system program that helps everyone, lights up everyone, makes everyone feels good. And we don't have to get complicated with the extensions that only create barriers between patients and providers and the things that they need. Um, in terms of the tip of how I, tips for people in terms of how to stay well is I think one of the be best advice I can give is that we had this quiet time to be reflective and a lot of people learn uh, about themselves and what is important to them. The things that are important came to the surface and then it got really loud again, you know, and we got really busy and we forget about what came to the surface. So I say as a tip, if you can write down that thing that you learned about yourself that you need and just put it on a wall and remind yourself that is obviously the most important thing to keep you going, don't let it get lost again. And I think that should be the North Star and the compass so we are not going back to the old but making drastic movement to make ourselves well. And when we are well, our communities are well, our families are well, our two-year-olds are well, and my five and a half year old as well. <laughs> I love that. Um, Ladarian, you jump in here. I know you have some uh, some questions as well for a few of our others. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. And shout out to Lauren again for the morning routine. My morning routine is sitting in line at Starbucks, which is probably not the best way to start the morning, but I have to do it like twice a week where I feel grumpy in general. <laughs> So our next question is for um, Nadira here, who spoke on our conversation around the role of media and social justice movements, for Jenny Hu, who spoke on youth activism, and for Catherine Connors, who helped us celebrate International Women's Day. So for the three of you, um, we would love for you all to share some updates with us regarding your work. Are there any new projects you're working on or any new issues you're advocating for? So maybe let's start with Nadira, and then we'll hear from Jenny and then Catherine. Hello. Um, well, I'm Nadira Hira, as Ladarian said. I'm so happy to be with you guys. And man, I'm a writer. <laughs> so my actual career is as a journalist at places like Fortune and Newsweek and Essence. But in this last like five to six years, that has really transitioned into hosting. And I think um, a big part of that is the United Nations and conversations they're having around everything from gender and poverty to climate. And the driving force in that for me was just, I felt like we weren't having enough conversations, like real conversations where people were not just talking at each other or kind of reciting media trained platitudes, but genuinely engaging. And we've seen what that's created in our politics and in other um, venues, including social media. So I think 
for me, the sort of lesson of this year is to just keep pushing in that direction. So I'm finally working on non-novel, which I've wanted to do for 20 years, and that's that's happening, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but also just creating space. Like any of you who've seen other conversations I've done, I'm generally in front of this like um, bookshelf in the house that's like a very windy bookworm thing that people love. And finally, I was like, I don't want to look at this anymore. I am more than this <laughs> bookshelf and this like media perfect background. And I think that is as difficult as this last year and last two years almost now has been, I think it has been really good for me and probably for a lot of us as like a type A person who just wants things to be perfect all the time. And as a woman who is used to being able to like, just by the sheer force of my will, create that to just be like, it's time to let go. It is important. And also we're all in it together. And I think that's how we engender that sense of community that unfortunately I don't think is as widespread as it should be, is by being a little bit more honest and authentic with each other. And obviously writing and words are a great way of doing that, but we're in a time right now where those things are so curated that sometimes we're not giving each other the sense of truth or reality that I think would actually move each other. So for me, the personal growing is letting go a little bit and seeing what happens. I think in our careers, that's a great thing, but it's also important in our lives. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to come out of this year. We spent a long time saying, 2020, please get in the rear view. Now I'm at 2021, please get in the rear view. <laughs> so I'm just like manifesting the 2022 uh, and beyond. Uh, we're gonna see huge changes and we are gonna be the drivers of that. Love that. Thanks, Nadira. <laughs> Jenny, what about you? Feel free to reintroduce yourself and let us know any new projects or any new issues you're advocating for. Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Jenny Hu. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a high school senior from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm a youth advocate with CARE. Um, I organize for political campaigns digitally, and I'm also the founder of an arts empowerment program for immigrant and refugee kids here in my city. So something that I think youth activism as a community has really had to contend with this year is the fact that the structures and the hierarchies that we're fighting out there in the real world are just as, if not more prevalent in this activism space. Um, I've seen, and it really troubles me that in conversations about race and immigration and um, even social economic status, we've really seen white and wealthy voices still being the loudest. And that's something that really bothers me personally. And so a project that I'm really energized about right now is building a youth legislative council here in my city, um, working with different state representatives offices to create the space for young people from different backgrounds to really get involved in making policy and civic engagement. Um, there's the statistic that only 18% of 18 year olds actually vote. And I think if all 18 year olds voted, we'd have a much different climate right now and a much different government. So something I'm passionate about is making sure that we as activists aren't speaking for people, but we're making a space where everyone can use their voice. Amazing work, Jenny. And as always, we're happy to have you as one of our advocates here at CARE. So thank you for all the work that you do. Catherine, what about you? Well, I, I love that I have those you know, the, the beautiful foundation set by Nadira and Jenny. 
<laughs> especially around making space for other voices and, you know, empowering or, or making more empowering and accessible space for a, a new generation of storytellers. Uh, my name is Catherine Connors. Um, I lead a global private network of female leaders, creators, and innovators called the League of Badass Women. I'm also the founder of a company called Demeter Media that focuses on um, creating space for female storytellers, especially female storytellers of color and from younger generations. And we look at through our networks of communities, how to actually really make robust opportunities for girls and young women and women of all generations and from all communities to really be leading voices, you know, in media and in storytelling more broadly. And so our combined focus with both the League of Badass Women and with Demeter Media this year is to really level up into a much more expansive um, space of opportunity for them. That, that, that really looks at rethinking how we think about media. Jenny, to your point about <laughs> the spaces of storytelling being dominated by white people and privileged people, we know that media and entertainment is so gatekept historically by men, usually white men, um, usually middle-aged and older white men, you know, but also white women and people of privilege in general. So one of the things that we're really looking at in looking at how do we actually robustly create opportunities for girls and women to to define their own power is to make space for them to define their own approach to, to storytelling. And we think that that means rethinking media more broadly away from the monologic models where somebody is just telling you what you need to know, telling you what you should think, and into more collaborative models that are more reflective of what the next generation of storytellers is already doing in social media and in other community spaces. So we hope that we can support young female storytellers and storytellers of color to, to change the world through their storytelling. And that's what we're focused on for 2022. Beautiful, Catherine. Thank you so much for sharing that back with us. So Ryan, I'm going to pass it back over to you for our next question. Yeah, absolutely. So it's cool to hear um, all of those updates from uh, previous speakers about cool things that you all have on the horizon. Um, so next I'll bring in three of our speakers who um, got us to thinking during each of their respective talks about innovation or about things that they were doing creatively in very uh, different fields. So Lauren, Josie, and Ellen, I wanna invite you all back in. Um, Lauren joined us for Native American History and Tribal Sovereignty Part Two. Jo Josie spoke with us uh, when we were celebrating Pride and Ellen joined us for a talk about the future of work. So let's take it, Lauren, Josie, and what's one innovation related to the work that you're doing that you're excited about or that you're hopeful uh, to see take off in 2022? Mm, um, good morning, uh, Lauren Van Schulfgaard. I am a coach de Pueblo, grew up in Albuquerque. I am now uh, calling from the Tongva, Tataviam, and Chumash lands, also known as Burbank, California. I am uh, serve as the director for the Tribal Legal Development Clinic at UCLA School of Law. So I get to work with law students. Um, but I also get to work directly with tribes and tribal organizations um, doing policy work. Um, so it's interesting uh, uh, thinking about the last two years, COVID um, disproportionately impacted a lot of indigenous communities in a lot of really uh, destructive and devastating ways. Um, but I think another uh, important narrative takeaway is that tribes also exhibited 
the importance of strong local governments. I think tribes really coalesced, got down. Um, tribal communities now have the highest vaccination rate um, in the country, which is incredible, uh, and are really uh, pushing on developing and enhancing infrastructure to sort of weather the next storm, right? I think tribal communities have a really long memories. This was not our first pandemic. This was far from our worst pandemic. We know how to deal, how to um, tap into our resilience and, and really um, forge ahead by binding together. So some of the interesting innovations to come to mind immediately, um, COVID for everyone, right? Really revealed and just highlighted and italicized underlying um, uh, barriers and weaknesses that needed to be addressed. Most strikingly, um, this included for indigenous communities, just access to broadband. And I think that we um, tended to think of broadband as sort of like a luxury and COVID highlighted like, no, this is a basic utility. Um, this is this is how we access the outside world. And so tribes, you know, have been sort of just waiting around because like utilities, um, this was sort of farmed out to private communities and tribes realized like, ah, these private corporations are not monetarily incentivized to come to us. We need to build it ourselves. So we've been working um, with a couple of tribes that are going into like just figuring it out how to build their own broadband networks, which is not my forte. I don't know how to do that. But like all things, it's like tough. You need to figure it out. And, and tribes are showcasing how to do that. And they're doing a great job. Um, the second is um, uh, a creative and holistic approach to the land back movement. I think, you know, the, the historical arc of contact to present day has been land dispossession. And I think tribes are, are starting to reverse that tide um, and have been for a long time, including just with the straight up, you know, repurchasing of, dis, of uh, lost land. But tribes are also starting to be really creative about what land back can mean, including developing their own tribal land conservancies in order to, form new like legal receptacles for different land, um, including from state and local governments, but also from private landowners. Um, there's suddenly new vocabulary that's going into this, including maybe we don't transfer title, but we do partner with tribes about what holistic land caretaking can look like, what cultural access can look like, and a redefinition about uh, what healthy land means. I think we are recovering from this John Muir concept that healthy land is void of people. It is empty and pristine. And indigenous communities really challenge that concept that rather a healthy land includes a healthy reciprocal relationship with people and indigenous people can really help us relearn what that can look like. And so those have been incredible conversations that I never thought were gonna be happening much less in local and state legislatures. And so it's really inspiring. Yeah, inspiring indeed. Um, and on the first point, I'm not exactly skilled at building broadband networks either. So I can't be very helpful there, but uh, 
best of luck in that endeavor. That's quite it, innovative. For those of you that are curious, <laughs> it turns out that like a, a pole, uh, like a light pole, there are a whole bunch of contracts that are required in order to lease various spaces for different um, optics. And so there's like a whole sector of contract negotiation just around pole. They're called pole agreements. I had no idea, but this is a thing. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing this. You never know what you're going to learn on Tuesday Talk. You learn about poll leases and poll agreements here. So free knowledge every week. Josie, what about you? What's, what's up on your end? What innovative things are you excited about, especially looking forward to 2022? Yes, absolutely. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm uh, Josie Caballero. She, her pronouns. I uh, work with the National Center for Transgender Equality, and I am the project manager for the U.S. Transgender Survey for 2022, coming up next year. Um, and I'm really excited about the broadband building out because as a, you know, researcher and surveyor, like having more access to broadband allows us to have more access to people to take surveys. So that makes me excited as well. Um, so the some of the biggest innovations that we are doing as as all of us um uh, or may may or may not know the u.s trans survey in 2015 is the largest data set that exists in the united states that really catalog the the life experiences of trans people but as far as innovation is concerned in 2022 it was um one of our team's priority goals to make this a community-led survey, to really reimagine what does it look like to conduct a study of this size that has buy-in from uh, the communities that it serves. So, you know, as a survey that is by trans people, for trans people, we really push the effort of making sure we had large partners from all over the country, from um, BTAC, which is the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, Trans Latina Coalition, in Capia, which is the largest uh, queer API community in, in the or organization in the United States, as well as a host of over 150 smaller trans organizations across the country that have already given buy-in on trying to spread the word for the U.S. Trans Survey. Another innovation that we are doing is that we're really asking people to take the pledge to take the survey, which I'm going to drop right here on in, in chat. Um, the, the pledge to take the survey is really a promise promise it that to say that either a you can you can you can pledge to share the survey by the way so if you're a cis person sitting there is like well, what can i do this is what you can do you can pledge to share the survey when the survey becomes available back in in february of next year but right now with the soft launch that we have already had of the pledge we already have over 3000 identified trans folks across the country as well at from every single state and almost every territory in the United States already with the soft launch. So when we start pushing all the cylinders in the next few, in the next couple of days, um, when we get the, the final release of all the social media kits that we're releasing, because everything has to be approved by UCLA. So uh, that's where our IRB is. So I, I see, I see you, Lauren. I see you. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so we're really, really excited. And, you know, another thing that is going to be really, really exciting about this survey that is different than other surveys is the, is really making more breakout reports. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get breakout reports for every state and territory because we just didn't have as many people sign up to take the survey, but now things are looking differently. We're hoping to have a breakout report for every um, every uh, community group, black, uh, uh, 
indigenous, people of color, as well as people who are living with HIV AIDS, older, older trans adults, um, as well as people who live in rural areas. And, and we're going to have uh, those breakout reports. And that's really going to change the game of how we look at trans people's um, experiences in the United States. We are very, very excited. And when it comes to innovation, we are going to innovate a lot of laws in this country once this data set comes out because it's going to illuminate um, not just what it's like to be trans in the United States, but what does it really look like to be black and trans in the United States? What does it really look like to be indigenous and trans in the United States? What does it look like to be a person of color and trans in the United States? Like, I am just so giddy about data. I'm, I'm such a nerd about it, but uh, we're really, really excited here at NCTE um, to be conducting this survey in partnership with so many of these amazing organizations. And we're hoping to get, we're, we're gonna be breaking records. We're gonna be breaking records. So I ask, share, be a part of the community and let's make this survey be the largest and most impactful survey of our time. For transfer. Yeah, that's all very, very exciting. So I, I will pledge to share this survey as well. And I hope that others here in the community will do the same. Um, that, that is very exciting news. And I'm also a, a data nerd. So just the idea that we can gather and gain greater insights, quite excited that. And so I, I guess keeping with the theme of how connectivity and information and, and the way that people are able to get in touch with each other. Um, Ellen, I want to you in because you hold a set of experience and expertise that the whole world is very interested in. And that's <laughs> around where and how people work. Uh, so I'll give you a chance to inch briefly. Um, we obviously work closely together at CARE. And then I'd love to hear from you a bit about innovation and what the future of work will look like going into 20. Great, thank you, Ryan. And thank you for inviting me back. I was here originally in July and it's really, so time is such an interesting thing these days. Sometimes it just feels like forever and sometimes it feels like yesterday and I'm not sure what dictates which feeling. So just appreciate coming back, uh, especially with this esteemed panel. So for me, I got my start uh, in my kind of passion for change and social justice when I was working at the United Nations. And I was fortunate enough to bring that same passion to CARE, where now I manage the global travel program in an organization like CARE, we travel to over a hundred countries. So you can imagine the expanse of a program that size. And I manage headquarters facilities, which is where I really found out so much more about the future of work than I ever thought my job would require. And I'm also fortunate to be on a team of folks that provide support to the organization. So thank you for that introduction. When I look at the future of work and all of the research and discussions and conversations that I've been part of, I think it continues to redefine itself the longer that people are not back at the workplace. And when I think about the discussions around moving from individual offices to the open concept, remember that was the big thing, right? The open plan and everybody wanted to be part of the open plan. And now what we're starting to see is that the workplace itself is going to redefine itself and become more of a collaboration space and a social hub. And that transition I think started to happen within certain 
you know, certain industries or certain, you, you see designers as an example, they were always gathered together because that is what their work requires. But there's different requirements for different functions within organizations. So now as we start to return and people start to get welcomed back to their headquarters, we are really looking at what is the workplace of the future going to need to be to support the new landscape, right? Now everybody knows that work, the workplace is not what you do, it's a place you go to. I think we've all learned that we could be just as if not more productive working from home, but we also know that there are some key things that are certainly done better at the workplace. We know that for new hires, acclimation within, an, within a culture is really important to do in person. We know that training, certain training can be done online, but there is training that needs to be done in the room to be able to fully benefit from what that brings to the table. And I think collaboration, obviously those brainstorming sessions that you can only really achieve by feeding off the energy. And there is a different energy in person versus virtually. So as we move forward, a lot of what I've been thinking about are what tasks do I need to be in the office to perform better, right? So that it's the added value of coming to the workplace, not just because. So I've seen that happening, Ryan. I think it's a step in the right direction for right now. There's a lot of change that people have gone through. And I think as a lot of the other speakers have said, we've learned a lot about ourselves. I think organizations have learned a lot about their employees as well. I think for all those managers that didn't trust employees to work from home in the past, that is really no longer a conversation that's being had because that has been proven. So it's really what is done more effective collectively. So as we move forward, I think technology is going to play an incredible role and to Lauren's point, the broadband that's needed. I think a lot of investment will need to be made in technology to also be able to support the new landscape within the workplace. So thanks again for inviting me and back over to you, Ryan. Yes, thank you, Ellen. And th thank you for everything that you do um, for us at CARE and keeping us committed and, and keeping us moving forward as a, a global workforce. Um, and as I guess one thing that, that has come up from today's conversation is the importance of broadband and of access and the way that technology really is a, a tool for us to maintain our overall wellness and our ability to be connected to one another. Um, so thank you to each of our speakers who kind of illuminated that interesting and fun fact for us today. But Darren, what about you? Kick us off with our next fun question. So for our last question, it is a very fun one. So I would love for the speakers, if you feel comfortable to share maybe one reflection you have from 2021 in general, and maybe share your New Year's resolutions with us. So I'll go first to kick us off. So I think my reflection from 2021 is all about prioritizing family time. I don't have any family who lives here with me in Atlanta, so I've been spending a lot of time on the road driving to Alabama, catching flights to Texas to see family. I have a cousin coming from California that I get to hang out with. So that's been my reflection from 2021. And I think my New Year's resolution, which I think is quite funny. So Ryan and the rest of the team knows this, but I've been collecting books over the last year. So now the resolution has to be to go ahead and read the books because now people are questioning like, you have all these books, have you read all of them? And I'm like, 
No, I haven't. I, I've read maybe like 40% of my collection. So next year, um, I'm going to try to do a book a month. That's what I'm going to try to stick to. So you all wish me luck there. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Um, so for the speakers, if you feel comfortable answering that question, feel free to maybe raise your hand on Zoom. And we can pass it over to you. Lauren Carson, come on in. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, I would say, let me. I don't want to put the hand down, lower the hand. Um, I would say one of the biggest lessons that I will, that I've taken from 2021 and going to take into the new years around boundaries. Um, I think that boundaries has definitely become a buzzword. There's a lot of mental health buzzwords these days. Uh, but boundaries, I think as women and especially women of color, it's not something that we've had the privilege of having historically. And this is a time for us to take ownership back of that. Um, and I think boundaries is something that is important in every aspect of life. Um, for me, setting work-life balances um, to Ellen's point of, um, you know, working from home, it can be quite difficult to close the computer, to stop tasks. Um, all of us are really passionate about our work. Um, so it, it can be really difficult to kind of take a step back. Um, but work boundaries is something that I am constantly working on, relationship boundaries, personal boundaries. Um, there was a really interesting article um, from Cut that came out about Simone Biles. And um, I felt like the, uh, the writer added a beautiful tidbit about how Black women, we are moving from this place of generational trauma to a place of generational healing. And one of our biggest avenues for doing that is through boundaries. Um, so that is what I'm taking with me. It's, it's what I will take with me consistently along my, my journey and my mental wellness journey. But I also encourage others to uh, look at boundary work um, that can be very important to our overall health and well-being. Thank you for that, Lauren. What about you, Dr. Appleman, and what's some resolutions and reflections you have? Yeah, thank you. Um, I had once, I did want to make a mention about the broadband and connectivity um, comment that was done earlier. You know, connectivity is such a huge aspect of health, and for communities that didn't, were not connected to telehealth, um, we forgot their voices in, as we changed in the health system. And one of the things that we got excited with Shared Harvest that we started doing real research about that, where the communities are that weren't disconnected and what is a human-centered um, telehealth platform, what would that look like to make sure that people who were off the grid back on the grid. And so um, moving into 2022, I'm excited because you know, Shared Harvest is doing a free public health telehealth platform that is rooted in um, uh, providers of color servicing communities of color and getting student loan debt relief for that. And one of the things that I have to say is um, kind of the opposite to boundaries is not being ashamed about loving what you do. Um, I think sometimes when you're doing passion for work, you do hear a lot about, okay, well, you're doing too much work and this, you know, but when you get certain of these breakthroughs and you just like can't you're waking up in the middle of the night just thinking about how the world can be better with the work that you're doing. Um, it's okay to feel that way. You should still, okay, you know, 
take a bath, get off, get off the computer for a while, you know, and boundaries in that sense is okay, but you get to call your shots on the boundaries, you know, because if you feel great about the work that you're doing, it also is healing work for you. Um, and it's not so much, you know, the separation, but this fluid thing of balance. Balance is not what happens every single day, every single week, but I think of balance as a long day, you know, so sometimes you're high on one side and other times you're high on another side. But overall, you should feel balanced and only you can judge how balanced you are. So um, that would be my take. Thank you for that. So I guess boundaries and non-boundaries, right, might be our, our words for the day. Um, Josie and Catherine want to jump in next? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so one of the things that, you know, my personal reflections, I think about, um, about my identity. So yesterday was my 20 month, um, I guess, like anniversary of trans uh, medical transition. And one of the things that I have, yeah, I know, right. It's great. Um, I never thought I'd get here. Uh, so, so one of the things that I, I, um, look at now is like how happy I am exponentially to the other years of my life of being able to live my truth and and be um, thriving in in the work that I do supporting and helping other trans people and and how liberating that was for me and and how liberating it is for so many trans people that I know personally and uh, uh, about just living their truth as the identity so one of the things that's happened over the last few months and kind of what I want to bring into the next year is I've been introduced to so many trans people where I'm the first trans person that they've ever met, um, which has been I have from a five year old trans kindergartner um, who is just a beautiful a little girl and to, you know, somebody living out of their van in, in Houston calling in crisis, trying to find a trans person, just like looking at a, a directory and seeing, oh, this trans girl, she works for the National Center. And what I want to do is I want to help continue to spread that message of life can be better if you just live your truth. And it isn't the end of the world when you are the trans person, the beautiful trans person you are, and really reflect what it looks like to have trans pride, to not be ashamed of being trans. And that is one of the things that I am striving for in my community to ensure that there's nothing to be ashamed of as being trans. Being trans shows resilience, it shows power, it shows strength, and it shows real courage. And, and really trying to promote that with other trans people within my community is really something that I'm going to strive for in the next coming year. Beautiful, Josie, really beautiful. So we got Catherine and then we'll hear from Nadira last. Yeah, I, I, I loved that the, the, the conversation immediately went to boundaries <laughs> um, because I think that we all feel that, right? You know, especially women, especially anyone that, that, that carries, you know, that, that carries extra burdens around care you know, and around tending to community and to households. Um, I, I know that it was one of my big lessons from 2021, you know, that, that I needed to manage all of the work, manage all of the burdens. And then I also needed to, you know, model that within my own family. And I think of this in terms of um, 
both the boundary question, but also in the in in terms of rethinking how we think about productivity and hustle. Right. I think one of the big challenges, you know, that that we became aware of over the course of the pandemic was that 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 productivity and hustle don't serve us. Right. You know, that they serve capitalism, right? They serve the white supremacist patriarchy. They serve a lot of systems that don't serve us. And there's real power in interrogating what it means to be effective, right? What does productivity look like for us? What is generative positive productivity? What is productivity that serves our spirits and our communities rather than what is productivity and hustle that serves a larger system that is fundamentally inequitable? That's really hard to do because we swim in the of all of these systems. And it's really hard to resist all those messages about, you know, and, and to live up to, to the ways that these stories are told in social media and other spaces about keeping ahead of each other. There's real power, I think, in just systemically in rethinking that and saying, what is good for me? What is good for my family? What is good for my community? Right. And also, how do I get out of an antagonistic relationship with the world and into one that is more collaborative, more peaceful and more generative and that doesn't require hustle to be rich? So I know it's like both my personal and my professional commitment for 2022 is to stay, stay intentional and stay aware of all those pressures around hustle and productivity and to keep intentional about how I how I internalize that for myself. Thanks for that, Catherine. Now we have another word for the day, intentional. <laughs> Just making a list over here. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna add, yeah, I think I'll add one that um, is unintentionally alliterative. I have to say though, this window shade, the sun has come out and I'm so happy about it. And I keep wanting to go and close the shade. And I'm like, but I don't wanna miss anything, which is like such a testament to how, how the conversation has been going. So forgive the, the harsh light, but you know, it's funny, every single thing that, everyone has said in this last piece of conversation has resonated both the boundaries and the non-boundaries. And I think it's because for me, it comes down to intuition to build on that question of intentionality. I think we've spent so much time sort of following that wanting to do all the things. And now we're in an environment where you actually can like there, if you decide not to have any space between your personal life and your professional life right now, you don't have to. I had to take a moment and say, you know what, I'm not going to check email until I have like had a cup of tea and done some meditation because I just need that mental separation between that and now the workday starts or whatever it is. And I think we all have to find those, um, those internal levers. But the big thing for me is like, saying no when I mean no, and then actually doing the no. So like, I think we've all had those conversations of like, I have to say no to things that, you know, are taking away from me, but then we say no, or the person comes and asks us and we're like, well, actually I really should make the time. And, you know, we have these kinds of like ongoing conversations that still draw um, true energy. And so for me, it really is about like making space for my intuition and then listening to that being like, it's not about what I owe anybody else or what I owe the world, but actually about how I become my best self and what that then adds to the overall milieu that we're all living in. Um, and I think that actually advances all these causes. Like uh, I hosted the SDG Action Zone for the UN during the General Assembly most recently. And that was like three days of incredible speakers who are all talking about the in, just amazing work that they're doing across all these issues. But every single one of them sort of had this moment where they were just like, I have to find a space for me to create hope and to create trust so that then I can do this work. And I think we all have to do that because we are under so much pressure more than we've ever been. And who would have thought two years ago, we could have been under more pressure, <laughs> but we are. Um, and I think we have got to 
we have got to not just create space for ourselves, but actually cultivate the selfhood that can take us forward through this time. Um, and that is my commitment for next year is to like, not just feel the feeling, but to then act on the feeling and then take that to whatever its natural conclusion can be, which hopefully um, will be generative. So that's me. <laughs> That's great, Nadir, and you're making my list even longer with these words, so thanks for that. I'm going to pass it back over to Ryan. Ryan would love for you to share your reflections, maybe from the past year, and let us know if you have some New Year's resolutions planned. I don't know if I have any. I don't typically make resolutions, but I will say that all of those that you all just shared, those reflections and those words of wisdom were absolutely amazing, so I'm leaving this uh, conversation feeling inspired. I think um, Maybe one that I'll echo is, or a few that I'll echo. One, I love this idea of intuition. That's something that I'm just continuing to like build the muscle to trust and to lean into. And I, I love this idea, Catherine, about like our relationship to hustle. Um, I think I've historically had a bad relationship with hustle because I just felt like I had to always do more, do greater, do faster, do bigger, do better. Um, and really am trying to tap more into the satisfaction from being quiet sometimes, from spending time with the people and the places that mean the most to me, and really living like a more full experience, um, both from my senses and from my emotions. And so I think that really sticks with me. And that's something that I want to continue to build on and focus on this year. Um, so we're running short on time. Um, I want to give everyone who's with us uh, today a chance to, if you're able to, turn your camera on, turn your microphone on, celebrate our speakers, celebrate yourself. Another amazing year of Tuesday Talks. We wouldn't be here without y'all. So thank you everyone for being with us and thanks to our great speakers today. Congratulations to you and Ladarian too, Ryan. You guys are amazing. These panels every week are, are just terrific. I've learned a lot. Thank you so much. And I think you have like the highest attendance rate of anybody <laughs> in the entire community. So shout out as well for being the most loyal and regular member of the community. It's my privilege. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So with that said, um, I'll sneak in one last quick question, and it's for DJ Sofer. Um, because every week we get to like hear these amazing sets that he puts together, the opening and the closing. Give how you do this, bro. How are you so dope at DJing and make every week something fun and exciting? Well, the, the thing for me is um, I just try to find something that people are familiar with and then kind of kind of um, just show it off in a different way. You know what I'm saying? So familiar, but different. So I love uh, so it. presentation is uh, key always. I love it. Well, shout out to you, shout out to DJ Lily. Um, we appreciate y'all for rocking with us from the very, very beginning. With that said, over to you, DJ Sofa. Happy holidays to everyone. Happy New Year. Happy December. Happy 2022. All of the above. Thank you for everything you do. We'll see y'all soon. DJ Sofa, take us away.